This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. What's up, winners? Welcome to the Moranalytics Podcast, episode number 69. Today is Tuesday, November 13th, 2018. I, of course, am Patrick Moran. Coming up on today's show, in fact, coming up in just mere minutes, my buddy Tone Pucks joins me for our weekly Pat with Pucks chat. Got a lot to talk about today. (laughs) And I'll tell you what, man, if you're a Buffalo sports fan, it's all good. It's all good. Everything just went right in the world of Buffalo sports this past week. The Buffalo Bills just absolutely dismantled and embarrassed The New York Jets this Sunday on their home field, 41-10. Matt Barkley out there looking like Johnny Unitas. It was just crazy. One of the crazier Buffalo Bills games I can remember. Of course, you got the Buffalo Sabres red hot. They're in the playoffs right now. Stop the season. Let's get right to the playoffs because the Sabres are in it. Great week for them. They scored six goals in Montreal. What a great game that was. And then, of course, on Saturday at home against Vancouver, They were down two with just three minutes left. Came back, tied it, got into a shootout. One incredible game, incredible week, incredible start to the season for the Buffalo Sabres. However, both of them pale in comparison to what's going on at UB right now. The University at Buffalo is just absolutely on fire. And I'm talking football and basketball. Of course, the football team is like 8-1 right now, just destroying everybody. Got a great chance to win the MAC. They're a lock to go to the bowl. They're a lock for a bowl game, that's for sure. They're just outside the AP Top 25. I think they're ranked 31st right now. And the basketball team, I mean, what, what more is there to say? They go out. They go to West Virginia. They beat them in overtime. C.J. Massenburg goes nuts. He's got 43 points. UB's 2-0. And they're ranked number 25. The first time since 19. 19- 70, 1970, since any of the big four teams from Western New York have been ranked in the top 25. So yeah, just a crazy, crazy time with Buffalo sports. We'll hit on all that. Going to get to more than just sports. We always do. I'll tell you what, I put out a tweet last week about Chick-fil-A opening in Buffalo at the end of November. Wow. Responses from it, not favorable to my tweet. I'll just leave it at that. We'll get into that. We're going to go this week in 80s music, taking a look back 35 years ago at the top 10 charts from 1983. Tone has his weekly puck drop. I got a pet peeve. Got some other fun topics to discuss. 
Got a shout out to a famous Bills fan. Lots of stuff to get to. And you know what? Not going to bullshit anymore here at the top. I've said everything that needs to be said. Let's just get right to it. Here's this week's Pat with Pucks. Pat with Pucks. Are you a big man? Pop! I'm talking to you. What? You wake up in the morning, you say, I put on my big boy pants. Look, I'm wearing a belt. I got big boy pants on. <laughs> oh my God, that is funny. Okay, do not worry. All of your questions are about to be answered. Cell phones and pagers off, please. All right, I said it right at the top. What a great week it was to be a Buffalo sports fan. We're going to hit on all that. What's going on, Tone Pucks? What are you doing, man? What's up? What's up, man? Just uh, putting a bunch of babies to bed, you know, just getting getting my podcast on here. Yeah, we're recording late on a Monday night. Parenthood has struck you and, and all the fatherly duties that come with it. I don't mind. At least you're not blowing me off this time. I know. I felt like I was, I was pretty good uh, getting back to you today. <laughs> well, like I said, we got a lot of stuff to get to, and I'm going to get to it, but I'm intrigued by something. We're friends on Facebook, obviously. And Sunday, I read that you got ejected from a hockey game, and that wasn't your first time either. Please, oh, man, you're gonna go, please you're gonna go right to it, huh? Yeah, why waste any time? Get right after it. What happened on Sunday? Well, well, I was I was gonna work it in as part of the reason why I saw so little of the Bills game, but you know now now that cat's out of the bag, so <laughs> so you're, you're gonna have to carry uh, carry that. Oh, you know, e- ejection. Is that the right word for a parent? Now, you are, you know that I, I referee some sports as well. You can count the number of times on one hand, all right, that I complain about officiating during the course of a sports season, be it a hockey season or baseball or, or whatever. Yeah. I, I am not an, a, an all-game It's chirper. almost annoying how much you defend refs. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, absolutely. But I, I believe in calling the game in the in, – the spirit of the game, the spirit of sportsmanship. I, I don't, you know, try to become bigger than the game. I'm not there because I'm on a power trip or something like that. And, and when referees uh, approach uh, the gig that way, it just drives me fucking nuts. So my kid plays defense and hockey, opposing players coming in on a uh, even man rush, like a two on two, something like that loses a stick. All right. It's just over the blue line. My kid doesn't know the rules that well, or at least well enough to know that it's a penalty, you know, if you interfere with the player's stick. All he tries to do is push the stick back towards the player onto the other side of the blue line to where the kid wouldn't have been off sides to grab his stick. Okay? The fucking guy's hand goes up for interference for shooting an opponent's stick. Absolutely garbage call. <laughs> Not even remotely in the spirit of the rule. At the very least, he could have been like, leave the stick, leave the stick, you know, something like that, something instructional. This is not a travel league. This was not a highly competitive, you know, sort of format. It was it was ridiculous. And in by nature, I'm a loud dude. So I probably, with no profanity, okay, that, that, and that needs to be said, especially when it comes to me, no profanity, probably hit him with two or three, that's just awful, that's just awful, and the guy ran me, I mean, I, I think he had an itchy trigger finger, I think he went overboard, you know, unlike the first time it happened to me where I dropped an F-bomb, 
I, I think this one, <laughs> I, I, I think this one was lame. So, you know, I didn't have the Bobby Valentine disguise on me, but I may have taken off my hat and the jacket that I was wearing and went back in and kind of hid in like the, the last row to, to watch the rest of the game. It was like 45 seconds into the game. It was like the first <laughs> shift. What, what am I going to do? Sit out in the car for an hour and a half? I haven't seen my kid play in forever. Yeah. I got to run a parent out of a, out of a building watching their kid play. Cause you fucking called a ridiculous, uh, a ridiculous call to flex your muscles as a, as a referee. Get the fuck out of here. I feel like, Weak. You, you, you're, you give yourself an honest assessment of yourself. You're not afraid to poke fun at yourself or be critical of yourself. As a referee, can you recall any time where you feel like you might have had an itchy trigger figure and were just eager to run someone, whether it was a kid or a parent? No. No, I, 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 that's one thing I don't do. So much that I get myself in trouble and it's been a knock on me is for not taking control of a, uh, you know, of a complaint or something like that early enough, uh, you know, in a game, given a warning, stuff like that. That's the other thing. I mean, the guy could have been like one more word and I would have, res- you know, I would have honored that if the guy would have, you know, hit me up with a one more word or something like that. But no, nah, man, I mean, I don't go in there with a chip on my shoulder. I think, you know, I think you got to be looking for it or something like that. I've got my faults. I mean, believe me, man, I got rabbit ears and whatnot. I hear everything and I want to be right all the time. And I want to tell you why I'm right. But no, taking a kid, uh, you know, out of a game or something like that, you know, or a parent or something like that. I mean, everyone's there just to have a good time. And sometimes part of having a good time, you know, is uh, is getting into it in, in, a, in a passionate way. So no, it's, it's, uh, if you're anyone who's getting in for that, you know, getting into officiating for that purpose, you know, um, it's just, it's, it's all the wrong reasons. You know, the numbers are real low because parents are assholes and coaches are even worse, but, um, you, you still want to get into it for the right reasons and, and, you know, running people out and, you know, flexing your authority. Cause you know, cause your wife or whatever runs the show on your ass at home. Nah, that, ain't, that, that ain't the reason, man. I, um, I would have, I would have a hard time being an official. I got no patience. I'd have that. I'd have a trigger finger. I know I would. I'm the asshole parent who's yelling at the referee who hopefully doesn't have that trigger finger. Not anymore. Don't I'm do that in you. high school, but little league guy. Absolutely. I'm guilty. I, I would scream my head off over a bad call. I'm that guy. I admit it. If you ever end up back in the area, you better believe I'm going to pitch you on every single sport that I officiate. And shit, it's, <laughs> just, it's just, I just, now I want some friends or something, man. <laughs> so listen, we're going to get to Bill Sabres UB stuff in a couple of minutes. Kind of got a random question for you though, before that I got in a little bit of hot water on Twitter last week. I had a tweet Chick-fil-A is coming to Chictawaga as I'm sure everyone in Western New York oh. who's listening already knows that shit. First of all, have you ever had Chick-fil-A? Let me ask you. Never. That. Never? Never. Okay. No. Well, it's opening up November 29th. I, who live in Florida now and have for the last two and a half years, have had it several times. Frankly, I just don't think that much of it. So I tweeted about that and I said, Where, where's the tweeter? I'm going to look it up right now. I said, can't wait till thousands of people wait hours at a time to find out how overrated this place is in Buffalo of all places where there are countless non-franchise treasures to eat at dude Krispy Kreme Popeyes when things like that come to Buffalo people act like it's only going to be there for a week you know what I mean 
You're literally going to see lines hours long. My personal feeling is that I just don't think that the food is that good. Obviously, I can't get your take on it because you haven't had it. But do you see any, is there anything that could come to Buffalo food related when you live in a town that is so rich with great food that you're going to be willing to wait that long just to say you had some fucking Chick-fil-A? First of all, when it comes to chicken, there's the fucking colonel, and then there's a bunch of posers and imposters. <laughs> all right? I don't want to hear Popeye, Chick-fil-A, nothing like that. There's Kentucky Fried Chicken, and then there's everybody else, okay? Because, <laughs> I mean, I remember when Popeye's came and people, I mean, I've had that shit. It, does, it can't hold KFC's jock, all right? And I don't think that this... Uh, this Chick-fil-A or whatever is uh, is going to make me feel any differently. But your point to the many Buffalo eateries, um, you know, privately owned and and keeping the money local and all that good stuff. Well, that wasn't your point, but I believe it was keeping it, no, it, keeping it, it local. To, to um, an extent, it was. It was. It was part of my point. And I don't even yeah, hate, and I don't hate Chick-fil-A either. It doesn't suck. And, and um, I'm sorry to tell you this. It's better than KFC. So you might fucking, maybe you'll be one of those idiots that were out there waiting for three, four hours now that I told you that. It's definitely better than KFC. Look, let me tell you something, okay? The greatest fast food going is fucking Wendy's, and I won't even wait in <laughs> four car lengths of a drive-thru, okay? I'm not waiting for two hours at a Chick-fil-A, all right? I'm bailing out. I've gone over curbs when I thought the service was too slow at Wendy's drive throughs <laughs> all right? What's your, I, I know I, you're, I, a, all right, well, you're a Tim Hortons guy. What's your limit on what you'll wait for to get yourself a coffee or whatever you'd like to have from Tim Hortons? I'm, I always see you posting about that. What's your limit? How long will you wait in line or in a drive-thru, I should say, to be able to get your Timmy Hoes? I, I, it's impossible to put a, a time frame on it, okay? It's just if the last car, like they are so close. I, can't, I don't know the last time you were here or, you know, what neighborhoods you're in and stuff like that because it's usually not the same as, as where I am. But, I mean, dude, they are literally within fucking blocks of each other now. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's, it's crazy. So, my, you know, I go by if the last car in line, all right, is, like, at all hanging out of, you know, the, the, the entrance to the parking lot itself, I that's it. I won't. You know, um, not just, you know, from a from a perspective of I don't want to be hanging out in the street or anything like that. I just mean, you know, if they're if they're close to, you know, close to where the entrance is, I'm just not I'm not jumping in that line. I'll drive, you know, two blocks or whatever to what I think will be an emptier one or, you know, I'll go all the way to like Niagara street by the, by the peace bridge where I know it's going to be, well, at least it used to be dead as hell, but nah, man, I have no patience in, in those things. Just like none whatsoever. I just, again, it's decent food. I think it's an attraction place because it's never been in Buffalo. I get it. People are going to be hanging out there for quite a while to eat there. You're going to have that food and nine out of 10 people are going to be like, Oh, it's pretty good, man. Not bad. I like it. But I ain't going to go wait two hours for it. 
What's the draw though? All right. I don't I mean, even know. It's not. It's not the the, the chicken itself. Yeah. It, well, you, you they don't have do a sauce. so much with the chicken. Is it is it is it a breading? Is it a sauce? And what are they hitting you with? Sandwiches. It you is know, buckets, a signature sauce. You know, but I mean, it's just not that good. There's a place called PDQ that's almost next door to it in in Florida where I live, and then there's a place called Zaxby's that's within maybe a mile, a mile and a half. And I'm telling you right now, of the three, I think Chick Fil A's third. People are going to learn that. I think a reason why a lot of people were pissed at me on Twitter was because it sounded like I was being a snob who was shitting on something coming to Buffalo that hadn't been there before, saying, oh, it's overrated, or this and that, you know, oh, who cares? So I think it was my, my pompous attitude that might have pissed people off more than anything. But you'll find, I'm sure you're going to have Chick-fil-A, but it ain't going to be in the first couple of months because your ass ain't going to wait more than 10, 15 minutes. Nah, man, I don't, I don't be finding myself in Chictawaga that much. I think I got a couple, uh, I just got my basketball schedule the other day. I think I got a couple games in Chictawaga. So uh, that, that, that could be the, uh, you know, within a month or two, that could be, well, you won't hate it. I mean, it. you're not going to hate it. If you get it, I, mean, I love right. chicken as much as the next it's, guy. It's, it's a better Wendy's. Honestly, that's what I think it is. I think it's a better Wendy's. You know what, though? You mentioned something and all that, just not to get too far off the beaten path here, but we, we haven't even talked about sports sports at all. Anyway, you know, you mentioned, you, you you talked about Florida, and I always, you know, sometimes I just don't equate, you know, where you are necessarily with anything beyond, like, maybe the high school football aspect or something like that. But, you know, you're right in the heart of, uh, a lot of uh, political drama. So, is, uh, do you feel any any closer to the you know to that being in the state itself? I know you guys. I mean, like, I ain't even gonna put you out there. I <laughs> fucking bet a lot of money that you fucking don't have a horse in the race at all. Didn't vote for shit. I did um, vote. Did you really? I did. Did you? I did. All right. All right. Well, then, my question would be standing regardless. Do you feel any more, you know, sucked in by it, uh, by the story itself, being in the region, or you know, it's is, is it all the same because it's so big nationally? Do you want me to give you a riveting answer or the honest one? Yeah, I'll take the honest one. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> don't, because I'm not gonna fucking. I don't plan on being there more than a couple more years. So I really don't give a shit. I did vote though. I don't. I, I felt compelled to vote. Gotcha. All right. What are we gonna talk about in the sports world? This is falling apart way too early in the second. It's not falling apart. It's good stuff, man. Talking about <laughs> chicken, fucking getting ejected from Corru- corrupt, corrupt elections, okay, all kinds I of shit talk- going on. What a I'd much rather what? Let's get to the good stuff. Let's let's get to Matt Barkley. Let's get to the good stuff. It's a good segue because you know what? For once, we're talking Buffalo sports, and it is good stuff. It's a great week to be a Buffalo sports fan. I mean, the Bills dominated a game they they won that game like they were the 85 bears i mean they just completely utterly dominated the jets the sabers had himself a great week ub's making an impact in football and hoops i mean high school football championships are being decided right now it's it's a great time of year to be a buffalo sports fan it is you know i mean we are still identified by our, our football and um you know this past sunday notwithstanding it's still a dud of a season. Uh, so I, I, I think people's enthusiasm for, you know, this uh, past week or whatever, I think they need to pump the brakes a little bit because what we all, you know, pretty much fucking exist for in this town is still God awful, uh, a God awful product. But 
you know, who am I to take away from everyone's excitement? Whatever. Yeah, you got to uh, live for the moment, bro. You got to live for the moment. They go into New Jersey, a division rival. Matt Barkley's making his first starts as what? I think it was 2016, 41-10. It might not get Todd Bowles fired this week, but that sealed his fate. That dude is not going to be back for the Jets next year. You can't lose to the Bills at home like that. Not a Matt Barkley quarterback team like that. You know what I mean? It just, they, the Jets, they laid down on their field mm-hmm. for, for the Buffalo Bills. Now, you said you, admitted you. you didn't watch a lot of the game. That's fine. No, I did not. Well, I'll tell you, man, you picked the wrong game to, to not watch because I know it. <laughs> I'm I was, telling I you, based on this game, they I have not seen them look this good in probably the entire Sean McDermott era. I don't know what it is. Well, I do know what it is. You know what it is, Tone? The Jets suck. That's what it is. Yeah. Now, you know, yes, the, the Jets suck. But as much as you've seen uh, Sean McDermott coached teams get blown out in the last couple of years, the whole idea that they fight, uh, you know, for four quarters and that they find ways to get up off the mat, you know, when it looks like they're down and out. And, you know, rekindle a a season last year, quite frankly, after the, uh, you know, the losses to New Orleans and San Diego looked like, you know, it could have been lights out. You know, he has built a culture that keeps playing, man. You know, that that doesn't really, you know, uh, look like uh, that New York Jet team looked on Sunday. So, yeah, it, it wasn't that big of a surprise to see them come out and slap a team that just wasn't ready to play ball because they usually are. Say what you want. I, I know that they don't start well, and, you know, you've been critical of McDermott and the start to games and and just the readiness to play uh, and things like that. I, I don't know that I, that I share that sentiment with you, though. I do think this team is usually ready to uh, ready to play, and you won't see a run for the bus like you saw out of the New York Jets this past Sunday. You, you, that's not something I expect to see from what the Bills have uh, have assembled in, the, in this year and a half. It feels like once in a while this team just decides that they're really pissed off and that they're sick of hearing all the bad shit that the fans and the media are saying about them. It happened earlier this year against Minnesota when they came on and played great, and it happened again on Sunday. And there were a lot of things that went well and they deserve, like Matt Barkley, for starters, he he played really well. But you know what? It's one game. The Bills' offensive line, they played really well, but it's one game. LaShawn McCoy looked like LaShawn McCoy from last year, two, three years ago. Still not sold on that. The defense played really good. I got one takeaway for you, though. To me, that was the most promising takeaway from this game. As far as I'm concerned, and that's this, Zay Jones had eight catches for 93 yards and a touchdown. He looked really good, man. He looked to me like a guy who could be a number two receiver on this team, a legit one going forward. In fact, when I was watching him Sunday, I'm like, you know what he reminds me of right now? I felt like Robert Woods was out there playing as Zay Jones. To me, that's the most promising part of this football game because that's something that I think can lead to the future. You know what I mean? Beyond just having a good game. It's one thing to have a good game. It's another thing to sustain it. But I really like the way Zay Jones has come on these last couple of weeks. And I feel like this Jets game was a reward for his hard work. 
Yeah, there are a lot of smart people out there uh, that have been saying that Zay Jones's season is not nearly as bad as it looks. Um, you know, people who take the time to break up the, you know, uh, the film and uh, look at those sort of, you know, aspects of it. And, you know, I credit them for the work that they did. And now we started to see it, you know, show up on the stat sheet. I need Zay Jones to not fumble the football into the end zone because that changes everything. Okay. Love, love Jay, Zay Jones's day as much as you want to love Zay Jones's day. Okay. That fumble dribbles into the, the hands of a jet defender. And I don't really give a shit about his six catches for 90 yards or whatever. All right. So there is work to, to, to be done, but yes, uh, you know, with God, the, the upgrades that need to be made at that position are so uh, robust, borrow a little uh, Russ Brandon word there, that, you know, you want to hope that you've at least got something there uh, to work with going into next year. And it looks like you do in Zay. And I'll add, uh, although I'm still waiting for those, you know, smart people, namely Joe Biscaglia, to come out with, uh, you know, the all 22 grades, but it looks like you might be able to add Wyatt Teller to the, um, you know, to the list of young offensive players that uh, that made an impact. And he's, you know, uh, will have done it in year one versus Zay in, in year two. And, and man, it, you know, if you got a left side of the offensive line going into the offseason, that's something worth feeling decent about as well. So, yeah, you know, beyond just uh, the guy that's uh, that's not really going to matter that much, you know, moving forward, and that being Matt Barkley, there were other things offensively to uh, to get excited about, even if only a, a little bit. I completely agree about Wyatt Teller. I got that number two on my list of things that were important to me. He looked apart. He played well, and I agree with you, man. Going forward, if that's a guy, I mean, he's what's he? It's a fifth or sixth runner. I can't remember off the top of my head. But if I he think de- five. Yeah, if he could develop into a a decent starter. It's one less guy that you got to worry about in the offseason because we've talked about this. There's only a handful of guys on this offense that I'm telling you now are guaranteed locks to be back next year. We talked about Zay Jones is one of them. Maybe Wyatt Teller can be another one who's in that starting lineup. Deion Dawkins had his best game of the year, and he scored a touchdown, which was nice. That was just a moment, though. I'm not going to praise the guy and say he's had a good year because I've been hard on him all year, and I think he's been lousy. I think he's been the best lineman on a historically bad offensive line. But he did play well against the Jets on Sunday. So you're right. That left side of the line potentially could be something that maybe allows them to focus on the right side and obviously wide receiver. You talked, let me bring up one more thing about Barkley. I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about Matt Barkley. He played well, but I also think the Jets made it very easy for him. Credit, by the way, Brian DeBall called a good game. I do got to bring up Peterman. As we're taping this Monday, he got released earlier. You know, I thought I was going to feel a lot better about myself. I don't know why. And that's very selfish and ignorant of me. But I thought I was going to be happy that the guy got cut. I've been saying he needs to get cut forever now. He got cut and I don't feel good about it. I I don't. I hear you. Oh, I thought you were laughing. I'm like, I I don't. I feel kind of bad for the guy in a way. I'm in the exact same. I'm in the exact same place. And I think a lot of people are in. I mean, it was obvious that I would probably end up in that place because I've been a supporter, a a backer of Peterman. But I think the spot that you find yourself in somewhat surprisingly, even, 
you know, uh, by your own admission is a spot or, you know, a feeling that a lot of other people are having tonight as well. And you're seeing a lot of that uh, on Twitter, even national guys, um, you know, coming to his defense, talking about, you know, any interaction that they may have had and just how just how terrible of a start to a, a career, you know, you could possibly imagine a guy having um so he has become a bit of a sympathetic figure <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know, but it's tone it, it's it's a it's a performance driven nfl you know what i mean he sure, just wasn't yeah. good and i'll tell you barkley was definitely the final nail because again he played well he made it look easy that first throw of the game he threw a nice pass to robert foster i think it went for 47 yards there's just it, he had a confidence back there in a poise that you just I mean, and I'm not suggesting that Matt Barkley's a long-term good quarterback because he's not. He could be an adequate number two, but my point being is that it was just a night and day. Matt Barkley should not be looking so much better than Nate Peterman ever has. Nate Peterman, and he's had multiple opportunities, he just never had that game. He never had that one moment during a regular season, there, or I should say that one game, that gave him any hope for the future. You know what I mean? Barkley was definitely the last draw because he he played well and he made it look easy too. Well, you know, I mean, I'll I'll beg to differ just a little bit because I believe that touchdown pass to Zay Jones against the Texans could have been that moment. It was a moment. I shouldn't have said moment. I should have said a game. Let's say the defense holds. You know, let's say that game never never gets tied up. Does 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 that change, you know, everything? I, I think I really don't think he was done. Okay, until he threw the pick six against uh, against the Texans, I really don't think that his, I agree. I don't think that his confidence. I mean, every, he was he was a punchline already. He wasn't done in McDermott's eyes. I agree right. with you there. But I don't. I don't, and and his own. More importantly than McDermott's eyes and his own, I don't think he lost his confidence until the te- the, the pick six. I think he I think he was able to, you know, to still have his confidence even after the debacle in Baltimore to start the season. All right. Because there were so many other things that went wrong in that game. I feel like he still believed in himself a little bit like what we saw against Chicago. All right. A guy running out of bounds on a Hail Mary. That's a guy that's that's that has lost all confidence in himself. Yep. But I believe he had it uh, up in. Uh, up through the pick six in Houston. Uh, I, I do think that um, that his skill sets, you know, still play, you know, to, to a lot of what, you know, coaches are looking for. I don't I don't think, you know, McDermott got totally duped or whatever. You know, he just, you know, he, he fell in love with some of those skill sets. And, and the guy, uh, uh, the guy just bombed on the uh, when it was when the lights went on, man. And it was. uh it's something that'll be talked about for a long time. Now, like, I don't know if this this falls under, you know, the same umbrella as, as this Peterman conversation or not. But let's go back, you know, to what we were just talking about, about Wyatt Teller. You said you didn't know if he was a five or a six. Yeah. I said I would think he was a five. All right. So that makes Matt Milano as a five last year and Wyatt Teller as a five this year. Correct. He's a five. OK. Yeah, I thought so. Before people go out and just continue to do what they're doing with Brandon Bean for trading away A.J. McCarron, 
just remember, okay, that they turned a, a five, their last two fives into Matt Milano and Wyatt Teller. And then talk to me about how big of a dunce Bean is for going and getting a five for A.J. McCarron. I, it's just, again, I, I don't know if that if it fits in the current uh, conversation or not, but you know, we talked, we we brought up Teller, we brought up his draft status and and whatnot, and it just it, it makes me think of how the argument that you know AJ McCarron should have never been dealt away is is one that I can you know push back on a little bit because these guys have hit on their last two fives. So if Brandon Bean wants to go out there and uh, and get himself a second five. Boy, it just it didn't seem crazy at the time, man. It didn't seem crazy at the time. It turned into the biggest story of the uh, of this football season. Sure. It, it it ended up defining this football team because it was part of of terrible quarterback mismanagement. I agree. But let let me, let's not act like a five inch shit. I agree, but let me say this much too. Last week I had Benjamin Albright on the show, and he insisted. And honestly, I thought he was goddamn nuts. Don't get me wrong. Ben's a great guy, very smart, very credible. One of the one of the more low key great NFL insiders out there, but he said that he thought if the Bills didn't trade AJ McCarron, that they would be a playoff contender. Right now, this season, my my, I mean, I'm letting the guy say what he wants to say because he's earned that right. And I don't say this because I'm not rubbing in my mind. I'm like, man, Ben, are you fucking nuts, man? What? But then you see a game like this on Sunday, dude. Matt Barkley, just an adequate quarterback. I would say he's kind of like AJ McCarron. All he did is play an adequate game. The defense played like the Bills' defense has played pretty much all year, which, by the way, they're number one in the NFL. I don't know if you knew that or not. But Barkley just played a competent, well-quarterbacked game. It's pretty much mistake-free. Look what they did. So maybe if they don't trade A.J. McCarron, maybe they ain't 3-7 and seven right now. That's my point. But I do agree with you. I'm not going to piss away, you know, say a fifth-rounder is nothing. I think you're 100% right. But we did see on Sunday, which could be a little bit maddening, how bad Peterman played and, and that Josh Allen's not ready. I mean, we both agreed on that. He's not ready. Peterman was awful. Derek Anderson rather would probably rather be playing golf than quarterback for the Bills. We both know that. And that's why they are where they are. You got a guy like Matt Barkley come in who's very much like A.J. McCarrot as far as I'm concerned. And the Bills kicked the shit out of the Jets on the road. You know what I mean? It's, it hurts, man, because their defense is as good as advertised. They're number one and in the NFL now. They might legitimately, regardless of, of what the stats say, because there's so many different metrics being used now to measure defense. But I still like, you know, yards quite a bit. But even just the eye test, man, you know, they might be the best defense in the NFL. Absolutely. They might, the top they might five be the best. Top five, easily, they're a top five defense as far as I'm concerned right now. One more thing about Peterman, then I want to move on to some other stuff. I don't agree with you in terms of, I know you think he's going to bounce back. I don't. I think he'll never play in the NFL again. Now, I'm not trying to be disrespectful to the guy. I'm not trying to piss on him on his way out the door, but he's meant for the CFL. Or maybe, and I'm not making jokes here, maybe he plays in the XFL in a year and a half or that new Polian League, whatever, I forgot the name of that league. He might play football again as a quarterback, but in the NFL, I think he's shot. So I'm going to ask you this, though, and I'm pretty sure I know you're going to say yes, but do you think Nate Peterman's back on this team 24 hours? You're listening to this, guys, on Tuesday, later Tuesday, early Wednesday. Do you think he's back on this team with the practice squad? Oh, boy. I do. Um, I think I do. 
The problem is, I'm going to say no to that, and here's why. I think they're going to end up three deep at the position, and if they're three deep at the position, bringing him back to the practice squad looks like, you know, an absolute McDermott pity move. Agreed. Because I, I think they're, I think, you know, I, I, I understand that Anderson is a obvious candidate for, for IR, but dudes who go on IR go home. <laughs> they, yeah. they, it's just the way it is in, in, in this sport. When you're on IR, man, you go home. They want Derek Anderson around. So are you, do you, um, are you sure of that? I think three. Are you sure? Don't I'm, I know you're not one of those guys. You're not a buffoon. You don't think Matt Barkley should start once Josh Allen's healthy. So I'm not even going to bother asking you that. We both know that Josh Allen's going to be the starter when he's healthy. But I mean, Matt Barkley's clearly the number two. Do you keep three active quarterbacks on your roster just so you could have a guy in the quote unquote quarterback room? The guy's hurt. He's probably not even going to be the number two. I don't see why you keep Derek Anderson on this team. Well, it depends. I think it all depends um, on the relationship with Allen and just how that chemistry is and, you know, that sort of tutelage is going. And that's something that we just, we don't know. All right. If they look at, you know, those two, you know, talking off to the side or whatever, and they feel like Allen is really dialed in to what Anderson is trying to teach him, uh, and, and Allen is being a sponge with the knowledge that this, you know, 13 or some odd year bet has to offer, then I think that that plays a part in it. If they look at a guy in Derek Anderson who, you know, would clearly rather be anywhere else and Allen is only sort of listening to him, but he's much more interested in upping his swag game and his relationship with Shady. All right, then yeah, Al, uh, Anderson becomes expendable. But if they have developed or begun to develop some sort of bond, then fucking a, you keep them around, and you know you keep Allen learning from them uh, on on how to be a pro off the field in the meeting rooms, all that shit. Because you know I don't I don't know that Barkley you know really has as much to offer uh, in in that way that as as Anderson does. I think Barkley's just trying to get himself a gig for next year. And that's what Matt Barkley's doing right now. And he's going to try to do it. You know, if he plays, he's showcasing for the entire league. If he doesn't play, he's, you know, trying to win the Buffalo Bills over and become a number two and have a job going into next year. So, uh, you know, Anderson still has value off the field. And uh, that's just going to be contingent on how that relationship has evolved up until this point as to whether or not he stays. Well, we'll talk about the Bills next week. They are on a bye, so there won't be a game to talk about. By the time we reconvene again, we'll know what's going on with the quarterback position there. So we'll talk about that next week. Let's hit on the Sabres, dude. Six, two, and two in their last 10. Couple of amazing games this past week. That 6-5 OT game last Thursday in Montreal. Risto scores a game winner. Holy shit, that was incredible. And then Saturday, they're down three to one. Less than three minutes left against Vancouver. They come back. They score two goals with the goalie pulled. Go on to win a shootout. I mean, yo, they'd be in the playoffs right now. Let's stop the season right now and go get playoff tickets. It's fun. Jokes aside, man, the Sabres are fun to watch again. I'm all in. I I am too. I'm disgusted because I uh, texted a buddy of ours over a week ago. Felton, I, I 
shot him a text and said, yo, let's hit that Tampa game because, you know, the secondary market is still very reasonable despite their early season success. And I was I was all in on hitting up Tampa tomorrow night. But middle pucks, the 17 year old who I hardly get to see anymore because, you know, he's got a social life now. He's got a game tomorrow at the same time as the Sabres. So I will be missing tomorrow's uh, Tampa Bay game. But what a great test. And frankly, this entire upcoming week um, is going to be a big test. And, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if if I'm handling this right or not. I probably should just be enjoying the week that was and not looking ahead at the week that's coming. But that's what you do when you start to, you know, have a real hockey season and you want to see, you know, what's coming. I mean, I, I never could have told you what the Sabres, you know, next game was, let alone their next uh, three or four. You know, but this year I'm starting to look ahead and seeing where uh, where the opportunity for points uh, is is going to come. And this is a big week. This Look, man, I, I hate to say it, but I do think we're going to get a little bit of air out of the balloon in the coming week. Uh, you're talking about Tampa here on Tuesday, back-to-back with uh, Winnipeg and Minnesota. Winnipeg may be one of the best teams in hockey right now. Both those on the road yeah. over the weekend. And then Pittsburgh uh, on the road to start next week. Those are three brutal road games coming off of a Tampa home game that's, you know, just as brutal. So huge, huge test. And um, I hear you, man. I'm just trying to really enjoy it. It just feels good to know that at least for now, the Buffalo Sabres are relevant again. But I will, let me ask you this, okay? Jeff Skinner's just been absolutely incredible this year. Dude's got 12 goals already, just 17 games. I know it's only the first half in November. Let me ask you this. Again, we're going to go on the assumption that Jason Bottero wants the guy here long-term. It's a very easy conclusion to come to based on how he's playing and the fact that, you know, Jack Eichel finally has someone to play with. It's not just that Jack's making someone better. This is a guy who's just straight up good enough to play with him. To make Skinner work long-term with the cap and everything, what sacrifice or sacrifices that you could think of that the Sabres need to do to make a long-term, very expensive deal for Jeff Skinner work? I think it will ultimately come down to Reinhardt or Skinner. I, I don't think you can keep both. I don't think you can pay three guys on a uh, on a top line. I mean, Reinhardt could end up you know, anchoring a second line, but that's unlikely. That's that's probably going to end up, you know, middle stats money. A lot of this depends on when the money, when money comes off. You well, know? let me tell you and a couple guys that are coming Oso off. Also in Palmonville will be coming off. And, and there's your money for Skinner right there. Well, no, Palmers and Molson will be off right this coming, after this season. That's nine and a half million right there that'll come off. And then in two years, you got Bogo, Scandella, and Zaboka, those come off in two years, and that's another $12.5 million. I agree with you. This is what I'm getting at, because I think you're 100% right. I think you got to make a decision. If you re-sign or extend, I should say, Skinner to a long deal, I think it comes ultimately at the expense of Reinhardt. You got to assume that money that they save with Palmers and Molson coming off the books, that that money goes to Skinner. And then, like I said, the money you save in two years, that's when you need to start putting that money away for middle stat and eventually Darlene for a bridge deal 
and some of these younger guys that are going to be in years two or three of their deal. So I agree with you, man. I really think that Reinhardt is the guy that'll end up being out if Skinner stays. Now, if that happens, okay, and you're Jason Botterill, this was the question I was ultimately looking to get to. Are you looking to make a hockey trade with Sam Reinhardt before the deadline? Get something of value because he is resigned uh, for not resigned. He is signed through next year as a restricted free agent. He signed that two-year bridge deal. Are you looking to trade him maybe as early as this deadline, knowing that you're not going to keep him? You can start considering it at this deadline, but you also have, you know, the off season, you know, because he's under contract for two years. And you've got the, the, the next year's deadline, too, because he's got one more team control year, mm-hmm. um, even after this one runs out. Uh, you know, I mean, <laughs> Botterill played Reinhardt's uh, representation. I mean, he got a sweet team deal from Reinhardt. And I got a feeling that, you know, that's going to, you know, set the precedence for you know, the type of negotiator he is as he moves forward with, you know, with Skinner. He's he's no dummy. He is not about to start a negotiation with the guy on fire the way he is now. He is going to wait for Jeff Skinner to cool off. Jeff Skinner is going to cool off. And Jason Botterill is a very patient, very smart dude. Uh, I feel as though the finances of the Buffalo Sabres are in fantastic hands with, uh, JB. Let's switch gears. Let's talk about UB. They're on fire right now, even more so than the Sabres. The football team has a legit shot to be MAC champions. There are a lot to go to a bowl game. The Hoops team is off to a great start. They stunned West Virginia on the road this weekend. 43 points from CJ Massenberg. They won tonight, by the way, as we were taping this. They're 3-0. They're in the AP Top 25. The first time a Big Four team has been in the Top 25 since 1970, the Bob Lanier days. That's just absolutely crazy. I mean, if you're not buying in the UB sports right now and getting out to these games, or at least following them hardcore, then I don't think you're ever going to. You know what I mean? Yeah, if if not now, then when? You know, I've been there with this uh, with this school before during the, uh, I don't know if it was the last hockey strike or two strikes ago, but I lived like less than five minutes from the campus Grabbed myself some season tickets for the uh, the Turner Battle, uh, Mark Bortz teams uh, that really first put them on the map. You know, some of Reggie uh, Weatherspoon's best teams. And, you know, the place is just electric. Now, football, you know, football is different, man. I, I mean, everybody loves it, but it competes with the Bills. You know, it's it, it just it goes at the same time as the Bills. You know, the prices are, are, are a little steeper to, uh, you know, to catch them than it is to uh, to see basketball. So, you know, you can have fun with it. But what does that what does that really ultimately manifest itself into in terms of what this team needs? And, and that's, you know, people to go to their games. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, I'm right. loving it. I'm loving it, man. But, you know, you sit there and you watch them on the uh, on the Tuesday night ESPN two game, you know, that uh, the, the little series that that the Mac has the Mac has late in the season. 
And it was an embarrassing looking crowd, the size of it. It was lame, man. And that's the, you know, I mean, shit, that's the side that's supposed to be full. So, you know, I, I worry about the sustainability of football just because it's it's not catching on beyond the campus, at least as far as attendance goes. But hey, man, just, uh, you know, diving into the moment, diving into the 2018 version of uh, of these two teams, I'm on board, you know, completely with it. And I'd like to see them not only win the MAC, but hopefully win the MAC championship in some sort of convincing fashion that might get a uh, a team that looks at two potential first round uh, offensive skill players in in Tyree Jackson and uh, and Anthony Johnson and uh, invites them to uh, a bowl that I've heard of. So I'll tell you what, dude. Last week, kind of out of boredom, I told you I was googling Billboard charts. And then the fill time last week, I ran through a top 10 with you of the billboard charts from 30 years ago last week, which was in 1988. Kind of stumbled into something good because I got a lot of feedback on that. It turned out to be that was a lot of fun. So I decided it was something I want to start doing regularly on Pat with Pucks. We'll call it This Week in 80s Music. So what I did is I went back this time 35 years ago. Are you clearing your voice because you're getting ready to sing again? Dude, I just I just went to Bohemian Rhapsody last night. I am inspired by the legendary Freddie Mercury, and I am ready. <laughs> well, I'll, good flick, by the way. Good flick, dude. Yeah, good, good you know ass what? My, it's funny you say that. My wife mentioned that last night that she wanted to see that. I told her I'm in, so I'm looking forward to seeing that as well. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna run down the top ten songs on the Billboard Top 100 from the weekend in November 12th. 1983, again, 35 years ago. Let me know if these ring a bell and maybe offer a quick thought on them. Number 10, the motels suddenly last summer. Then suddenly <laughs> last summer. You know, I always thought they were a one hit wonder. I forgot about the song, to be honest with you. I thought of only the lonely. I thought that was the only real song that they had. Oh my God. I thought it was, I thought those two were like the same song. They <laughs> sound like exactly the same. <laughs> they sort of do. All right, number nine, and this is a favorite of mine, Making Love Out of Nothing at All by Air Supply, which I still have on my shower rotation on my iPod. Yeah, uh, there's no need to sing. Everybody knows that one, man. If you right, don't know that one. Fair enough. Number eight, Delirious by Prince. I get delirious whenever you're near. Lose all self-control, baby, just all right, that's enough. Man. That's enough there. But seriously, that was the last song that uh that he had as a hit before Purple Rain. This was off his nineteen ninety nine album. Yep. So the following Stupid year, I, I remember that nineteen eighty four came out with Purple Rain. Number seven, did not like this song that much. Come on, feel the noise by Quiet Riot. Get the fuck out of here! How do you not like that? I didn't. Song I didn't care much. for it that much. Did not oh care for it. Oh my god! And you know what's even better? That album is. It's, you just you never appreciated uh, rock and roll. Nah, I did. Mental health, you know. Oh, that was a, that was a solid album. That I thought I thought it song. was I thought it was overrated. And my father had one of those. You know, he used to go to the carnivals and get those little stupid mirrors with rock bands. I remember a Quiet Riot thing being on our dining room. I don't think my dad ever heard one fucking Quiet Riot song in his life, <laughs> but he still had a Quiet Riot mirror. I remember that. I don't know why I remember that, but I do. 
Number six is a well, Quiet Ride's a little more hard rock. This was just a rock song. One thing leads to another by the fix. That was at six. Five was and this is a Mrs. Moran karaoke favorite. Total Eclipse of the Heart by Bonnie Taylor. Bonnie Tyler, I'm Turn sorry. Turn around, yeah. bright eyes. Number four, this is definitely one of my all-time favorites. You know this. Paul McCartney, Michael Jackson, Say, Say, Say. Good tune. Three, I know this is your guy right here. Billy Joel, Uptown Girl. Oh, Uptown Girl. How, how much of a Billy Joel 80s fan were you? This is crazy that you bring this up, dude. I was at Joe P's earlier, and he was like, he was he was talking about the album Innocent Man, and uh, he said, you know, most people hate that album of of Billy's. It had like seven top ten hits yep. on that album, seven top ten hits, and that ain't even nearly his best shit. Yeah, I agree with you. Number two, Kenny Rogers duet with Dolly Parton, Islands in the Stream. Oh, God, do you remember the terrible uh, jokes that came along with that one? No, no. Refresh what do you my call, memory. What do you, what, do you, what do you call Dolly Parton doing the backstroke? What? Fucking Islands in the Stream, the name oh. of the song. <laughs> what, you couldn't put that together? <laughs> no, I didn't. Fucking terrible. <laughs> All right, listen, before I get to the number one song from 1983, let me name a couple for you that just quite missed the cut that didn't get into the top 10 um burning down the house by the talking heads good that tune. was at 24 king of pain by the police was at 20 uh john cougar mellencamp crumbling down that was on the charts at 19 when the walls that was a pretty good come song crumbling that is a pretty good song 18 michael pyt 17 hall and oaks say it isn't so uh 13 pat Benatar loves a battlefield 14, David Bowie, Modern Love. I hated that song. I really did. God, I never liked it. All right, ready? Number one, 1983, November 12th, Lionel Richie. Guess the song. 83? Yep. Oh, man. Um, All night long. That's it. Oh, yeah. Come on, I was going to say, I probably would have gone with Hello. Did you like all night long? It was uh, it was loved just all right. All night long. Okay, I mean, I loved Lionel Richie. What's right. the song? What's, what was the song that uh, that started slow and then got you know like real peppy? Oh, uh, boy, I can't remember off the top of my head. It started slow and got peppy. I don't remember now. I'm gonna probably be thinking about it the rest of the segment. I'll tell you what. Give me your puck drop for the week, and while you're doing that, I'll think of what Lionel Richie song you're talking about. Yeah, we're going to circle back to uh, to UB for the puck drop, man. I purposely did not go too far into, you know, the uh, the early performance of the basketball team because I knew I wanted to get to this uh, in this segment. Now, look, I was not around for, you know, uh, uh, Bayline at uh, Canisius or, you know, the other places that he was. Uh, obviously, he is, is seen as probably the most successful coach to come out of this area, but it is time. And this, this goes beyond the scope of basketball. It is time to start putting Nate Oates in that same breath as the other coaches who have, you know, come through here and in in a few cases 
gone on to a lot of uh, success with bigger programs. This guy's ability to maintain, not only maintain the level of, of performance that Hurley got this program to in such a short period. Now, remember, man, I mean, this is, you know, that's as big a name as possibly has ever come through here when they landed Bobby Hurley, you know, to coach their basketball team as, you know, when Danny White landed him and he was gone within a couple of years, you know, he put a stud team together and he was off to Arizona state and white, you know, went on to, you know, to be the AD at UCF. And, and I look at, you know, white had the, the gimmicks of putting, you know, the New York in the logo and Hurley had the name and, you know, I mean, those those were the guys that were really the driving force behind, uh, uh, you know, the resurgence after it dipped a little bit after the Witherspoon era. And, you know, Nate Oates has not only kept it up, but he has brought it to another level and has talked about, you know, his vision to turn this program into a Butler or a Wichita State. The guy is just you know, he, he's an average Joe. If you hear him talk, man, you know, there's not a lot of coach speak. The dude is real as shit and just a really cool listen. I, I think he's, I think he might be from like Jersey or something like that. You know, he's, he's got that, you know, rough around the edges, you know, kind of, kind of speak about him. He's, he's not real polished or anything like that. He's just an incredible, incredible basketball guy. And, you know, someone that if you're really going to get behind uh, something that's going on here, again, take nothing away from from Leopold and what's happening with the football program right now. But they're always going to be in competition with the Bills. The basketball program has nothing other than, you know, a, a somewhat disconnected region from the sport of basketball, uh, at least college and professionally. And if he can if he can put it on the map here, man, it's just going to it's just going to add to to the fun that we have with our sports. So uh, I am just a huge fan. I hope more people get on board and, and enjoy him for as long as he lasts. Who knows if he'll be true to his word or not. But Nate Oates is as good a coach to come through this area. The, the best coach to come through this city since Marv Levy. That's how good Nate Oates is, Nate Oates is at his craft. Well, I think you are is the song that we were trying to think of by Lionel Richie. Well, which one? Oh, you are. Yeah. I, 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 I thought you were, I'm like, I am what, motherfucker? <laughs> oh, I got you. Yeah, yeah, that's it. That's it. All right, dude, my pet peeve of the week are baseball writers who vote on shit. What a joke. Oh. Miguel Andahar does not win AL Rookie of the Year. Otani does. And listen, this is not be, being a Yankees homer fan whatsoever, but come on, you got to be fucking kidding me that Andujar doesn't win. He leads the AL among rookies in runs, hits, RBIs, doubles, home runs, slugging percentage, and on-base percentage. Most of them by a wide margin. And he doesn't win fucking AL Rookie of the Year. Are you kidding me? A guy who only played 103 games this year wins Rookie of the Year. It's a joke. Baseball writers who vote are a joke, especially Hall of Fame voters no disrespect to my guy, Mike Carrington, but some of the shit that these guys who have their own personal agenda, when they make their statements with voting, is just ridiculous. I mean, you've seen ballots every year with guys like Danny Tartable and 
fucking uh, Steve Sachs, Kenny Rogers, uh, Aaron Seeley, guys like this are getting Hall of Fame votes just to make sure because the guys who are on steroids, they want to send a message. You know what I mean? It's just a bunch of horse shit. Get off your high horse. Stop voting on personal agendas. Anyone out there who voted for AL Rookie of the Year and did not vote for Miguel Andahar does not fucking deserve to ever have another vote ever again. Mm, strong take. I'm with you on the, the Hall of Fame guys, and I believe I agree that they missed on this one. That said, I still believe that the baseball end of season awards are the most sanctimonious of any awards that are given uh, in professional sports. I like to believe in their credibility more than I believe in the Hall of Fame voting's credibility. Normally, they get it right, and it is very compelling, you know, uh, when when these things come out. They just blew this one. They missed. They missed. But uh, to put them in the same category as I don't know how many of them are, are you know, of the voters are on the same, you know, two you know, panels of, of, of postseason awards or end of season awards and Hall of Fame balloting. But um, I, I agree that the Hall of Fame balloting leaves a lot to be desired. I believe that the end of season voting is usually far more credible. But uh, in this particular case, you, you, you got a beef. You got a legitimate beef. Well, it ain't credible to me anymore. So shout outs. It's just one. It's just one award. It's, I mean, it's unacceptable, though, dude. Come yeah. on. It's terrible. All right. Final shout out for the week. Mine is going to Buffalo Bills super fan, Ezra Castro, a.k.a. Pancho Bilia. Love this guy. I've gotten to know him. He's been on the show twice. We've talked on the air. We've talked a lot off the air, Twitter DMs, etc. Great guy fighting cancer, not doing well, but still fighting the good fight. The Buffalo Bills recognize that. This past week, Sean McDermott flew him to New York. And Saturday night before the game, he spoke at the team hotel, got the team fired up. It worked. I mean, granted, they're playing the Jets, but they were an inspired football team. Many players talked about it after the game, how inspired they were. Zay Jones even had him his name written on a towel. So, Pancho Bilia, I love you, brother. Keep up the good fight. You get my shout-out for the week. Got anyone you want to give a shout-out to? No. Dynamite drop-in money. That broadcast school has really paid off. All right, that'll do it for this episode. Big thank you, as always, to my buddy Tone Pucks, Pat with Pucks. I'll tell you what, there's lots of things on this podcast I get the opportunity to do, but Pat with Pucks is absolutely one of my favorites. I think it's really cool to have somebody that I've been friends with since we were in high school together, and even back then, talking sports and some shit like that in high school. Now we're grumpy, middle-aged men, talking sports and shit, being able to do it on a podcast and have people listen. It's so cool. I'm really thankful for that. Coming up on Friday's show, he's been on before. He's back again. Mike Harrington from the Buffalo News will be my guest. And I'll tell you what, some people love Mike Harrington. Some people don't love Mike Harrington. But one thing's for sure, he's never a boring interview. We'll be talking Buffalo Sabres hockey, sports media, all kinds of stuff. Cannot wait for that on Friday. If you haven't done so already, 
please go to Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It's the same thing, whatever you want to call it. Subscribe to this podcast. By the way, last week we were right there on the cusp of being on the iTunes charts. I really want to get there. So yeah, I'm begging you, man. I'm not too proud to beg. Please go and subscribe to this podcast. You just search for the Analytics podcast in your app. Hit the subscribe button. That's all you got to do, man. Bam. New episodes automatically get sent right to your phone. You don't have to do anything. If you don't have Apple Podcasts, you can also catch us on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere future award-winning podcasts are heard. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at PamaranTweets. Have a good, safe rest of the week. Talk to you again on Friday. My guest again, Mike Harrington. We're done here.